Why is today's pop culture so obsessed with the idea of the multiverse? We discuss this and more on this episode of The Overthinkers. Hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, a home for people who love to have fun thinking deeply. I am your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, derivative original. And with me, as always, is my virtuously variant co-host. Nathan Clark's an actor, author, filmmaker, and singular person. There's mm. one. That's it. Which still feels like too many. What you see is what you get. There's there's no others of me out there, and this will make sense in a second. <laughs> or it will make sense already because people clicked on this. Uh, That's true. I the forgot. Title. Yes. Apparently, I read the cold open. Yeah, people can read. <laughs> yes. Well, yes. So, unfortunately, this is the Nathan that we have to uh, deal I with. We're to, stuck with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You don't have any other choices. This is it. We can't recast him with uh, Tobey Maguire or anything. Yeah, the Nathan. Um, I want to place him in another universe. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, because that's what we're talking about today. Today we are going to be discussing why multiverse stories are so popular. But first, Nathan, if people enjoy our discussion and want to engage more with such discussions and meet fellow overthinkers like themselves, where can they go? They can go to the overthinkersjournal.com where they can find out more about their hosts, any live events we have coming up, and they can send us all of their love and hate mail there. Uh, they can also, if they would like to meet other overthinkers like themselves, they can go to our online private Facebook group called The Overthinkers. Uh, it has 10,000 plus people just like you who want to get into great discussions about all the stuff we talk about on the podcast. And again, we post tons of memes. So if you want a steady stream <laughs> of intellectual memes coming across your screen throughout the day, this is a place for you. And we want you there. Uh, also, if you do enjoy the podcast, please consider leaving us a review. It does help us so very much. Uh, I find that that helped, actually, by the way. Uh, really? Got a couple other reviews. Yeah, me, me switching up the tone. By the way, uh, we have 110 reviews, which I'm so thankful for. We have one, and they're and they're all five stars, except for one, which is a one star. So I want to know who out there. <laughs> <laughs> it's just most humble. Who out there left us a one star review? We want to have you on the show, and we want you to explain yourself. <laughs> they so didn't explain in the in the their one star review what they no. didn't like about. No, they didn't. They just left the review with no well, actual... That's not constructive. That's not helpful. Exactly. Some men just want to watch the world burn. Helpful so come first on the show. Tell us what we're doing wrong. Why we deserve this one-star review. <laughs> um, this will keep me up at night, so I'm going <laughs> to reply quickly. Um, <laughs> but all I'll just say is thank you for all the reviews, and please leave us more. It really does help us so very much, and make sure to share with a friend. Okay. Well, then. You ready to get started? Let's do it. Okay. <clears throat> According to Merriam-Webster, the multiverse is a theoretical reality that includes a possible infinite number of parallel universes. Long a part of the theoretical science, even science fiction, the multiverse is everywhere in pop culture today. It dominates television with shows like Rick and Morty and even Community. It's the center of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which dominates pop culture at the moment with movies like Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness, Spider-Man No Way Home, Ant-Man Quantumania, and the TV show Loki as part of its multi-year multiverse saga. It's the center of even Sonic the Hedgehog franchise now, both the movies and the Netflix show, <laughs> Sonic Prime. <clears throat> it even became the subject of the latest Best Picture winner, Everything Everywhere All at Once. 
But why has the idea of the multiverse come to dominate pop culture today? As the BBC piece, Dr. Strange and the Historical Roots of the Multiverse points out, the idea of the multiverse popped onto pop culture scene back in the 1960s in the comics, as comic writers wanted an excuse to bring in two different flashes and have them meet each other. Since then, they've replaced space travel as the primary way pop culture explores themes of philosophy and social commentary, touching on identity, existential meaningless, and the nature of choice and free will. Space.com suggests it's this infinite possibilities of multiverses that makes them so attractive, with the plot device being one that allows old Spider-Man actors to meet up with each other within the internal logic of the world. Meanwhile, BBC suggests that it's the desire that there might be a version of our world, rather than a different planet entirely, that is better than the one we have right now. In their words, the trend could be a response to the feeling so often expressed on social media that our reality is so absurd and dystopian that there must be a better timeline out there somewhere. Nathan, I have to say, not to toot our own horn, toot, toot. but we are the perfect people to solve the mystery of why we're obsessed with the multiverse. Yeah. Because we both watch all of the multiverse pop culture things. And we are both are obsessed with unpacking the intersection of philosophy, art, and pop culture. So what is in our modern society, you think, that has caused us to gravitate towards this sci-fi device over all the others at our disposal? Yeah, so real quick, um, just for anybody who's not entirely familiar with the multiverse, maybe outside of the fictional uh, sure. movie and, and book space, this is actually a scientific theory. So this is not just something that exists um, in, in the, the pages and on the screen of our favorite superheroes film or, or cartoon. This is something that has uh, makes us, it, its waves in the scientific community. And it, it was one that kind of arose to explain a way, and I'm gonna give us a little history here, to explain, um, how, how do I say it without going too deeply into this, uh, <laughs> the problem of ex nihilo, something coming from nothing, is, is really the most confounding thing that atheist scientists can't explain. And so, um, and, and, and that's something that no matter uh, how much testing or, or looking into it, that is something that's kind of the checkmate for the theist um, argument also, and so also the fine-tuning aspect that the that this world seems very particularly set up and and um, tuned to create life like we know it ex yes and so one of the things that became popular um in the atheist christian debates is when a christian would say well how do you get something from nothing uh you know all these kind of things essentially the response would be um, we're in a series of, of multitudes of universes and that there's a million, billion, infinite, infinitum universes out there. And that was kind of the go-to explanation for this thing that was unexplainable. That said, that, that, that happened within the scientific community. And it kind of started, as you pointed out and showed, it working its way into our fiction. As, as you yeah. demonstrated, it became a way to say, okay, so there's a billion universes out there with all these, uh, in every different possibility and potentiality um, can take place. So what if two flashes met, right? <laughs> yes. Kind of see this thing originate and it goes from science to philosophy to fiction to art to culture. And so now here we have, as as you pointed out, an endless sea of movies playing with this multiverse um, uh, uh, philosophy or, or or theory. And but the the, the interesting thing is this. This multiverse theory had been touched on for a long, long time, right. uh, even in the scientific community. Maybe it hadn't been formulated. 
articulated, articulated in such a strong way um, until recently, or, you know, quote recently. Um, but it's been around. It's, it's oh, yeah. been a theory in the mind of scientists for a long time. So the real question is, why did it blow up in culture now? Exactly. And if you look in this podcast, <laughs> you're going to know where we're going with this. But there's something that happened with uh, post-modernity when we started getting rid of religion. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we started getting rid of this thing that, that articulated reality to us. And so we live in somewhat of a post-religious age uh, in which a lot of the and th there's still a lot of it left, but it's definitely on the decline. Yeah. And the majority of these two most recent generations do not consider themselves religious. And so we're left without these myths, mythos. I'm not saying I'm not saying Christianity's a myth. Just everyone <laughs> chill out. Myth but, as in meta-narrative of, of life and yes, existence. Yes. yes. These narratives that give our lives meaning, that gives us understanding, articulation of the reality around us. So we're going, okay, so we don't have an understanding of reality around us, and we need something to make sense of this world. Yeah. And so in steps uh, the multiverse theory, which is its own kind of spiritual reality in a yeah. way. That it talks about other worlds where other things happen. And so there's a lot of reasons as to why this blew up. But I think one of the central ones is because it provides something outside of our understanding to make sense of this world. Um, and so I think in place of religion in a lot of these um, movies and series and, and stories, you're seeing the multiverse step in as that kind of transcendent figure or theory uh, to replace what used to be a god. Um, or spirituality. And so it's almost a way to be spiritual while being um, atheistic in a way. Um, so I think that's one of the reasons, and I would say it's one of the central reasons why this has blown up in culture. Now, I have way more thoughts on why this has blown of course, up, yeah. but I could go on for hours. So I'm gonna let you jump in as to, Joseph, why do you, why do you think this is happening now and so pervasively? That's really good. I think I would just wanna, um, first of all, this, uh, um, agree with you, and that's something I hadn't even quite thought Good. of, is anytime you get rid of a myth, you need a replacement myth, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, of course, the reason why we're this is happening now is because we're gaining a couple generations who are kind of, who are saying, okay, we're getting rid of the old myths. We have to create a new one. Um, and this one fits with the closest, it's a way of doing the transcendent. It's like why people yeah. say that there's where they people believe in aliens because they want to believe there's somebody up there, you know, but they uh, but they don't believe in God. So what's one that fits with their understanding of the world? It's the idea that things are random, but through enough math of like, you know, repeating enough universes often enough, we can get us. So our existence yeah. is random, but it's explainable. So that's a yeah. that. So it fits with how we understand of ourselves, which is random but it's explained in, in a way that fits with all of existence. So that's excellent. I hadn't even thought of that. So that's a really uh, good. You're welcome. <clears throat> I think that what I really have been interested, I think that it really does resonate because we live in a time of um, infinite choice and possibility almost. Mm. And it's because the, the multiverse, all scientific sci-fi stuff is, useful and is used to explore what we're going through in our own personal lives. You know, the reason that, you know, space, the final frontier, um, you know, was such a big thing with like, you know, Star Trek and stuff like that was not just because people were actually going to space, but because it was a way to, because we were going to new countries, you know, we were, globalism was happening. So we were going to new countries, we could travel to new countries, we could see different cultures that we never existed, be, that we never seen before. 
And so the world was becoming like, oh, there's other ways to be human. There's other cultures that exist. There's other ways of living that exist that you can travel to and experience. And so, you know, when you have other cultures, you can use science fiction to say, you know, there's the Vulcans over here and there's the Klingons over here. And you can say, well, how do we all live together in harmony, explore those things that way with, you know, um, and and we talked about books here of the secular age and hyper modern times, which deal with the fact that we live in a very weird period in history where for the first time you can choose so much of your life. You know, hmm. part of post-modernity is, you know, it used to be you didn't choose your religion. You didn't choose your family. You couldn't move away from your family. You could, you didn't choose your occupation. You didn't choose. You barely choose your spouse. Yeah, exactly. you didn't even choose your spouse most of the time. So most of the things that mattered in your life, you didn't choose. And then, of course, you get, you know, globalization, the printing press, you know, ships, the industrial revolution, cities. And suddenly all of those things in your life you can choose. And that makes gives you a lot of possibilities for identity formation, um, where you say, oh, I'm going to be, you know, it's like like me, I, I'm going to move away from my family into the city and become a filmmaker. And, you know, I, I'm going to I can choose a church, you know, things like that. Those are things. And so the multiverse is able to show by saying, hey, we live in a universe that every single choice you make creates an alternate, you know, timeline for you. We're first of all able to say, um, you know, it's ways to explore how we have to actually think about, imagine possible futures for ourselves, possible lives we could live in ways we didn't before. <laughs> the movie Mister Nobody really does this explicitly, where it's where it's where it's like, oh, I could choose this, and this is my whole life, or I could choose this, and this is my whole life. And so, having the multiverse allows us to wrestle with that anxiety of the fact that suddenly now all these things feel like real possibilities and how do I explore that and wrestle with that? But also it does the excitement of that, which is that now that the world is so much smaller, I can find people who are like me, a community of people who are like me. I can, I, I can choose my family. I can choose, I can find, you know, like when I was a kid, I could find Sonic fans through social media because nobody was a Sonic fan where I was growing up. Now I can do mm -hmm. that because I can choose my identity by through social media finding people, which is exactly what Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is about. It's like, oh, there are other Spider-Mans out there. I'm no longer alone. I can do that. On the other hand, it creates this sort of existential crisis of us because what gives us the most life satisfaction is when life, we're not just happy, but life is meaningful. As we've talked about in other podcasts where it's like, if we we feel the most satisfaction in life when we believe that our actions that we can do actions that make the world better um in lasting tangible observable ways mm -hmm. but if the world is so big you know so that you know the little choices we make don't really um matter in the big scheme of things because the world has gotten bigger then do my does my life and do my actions actually matter and if all choices are basically equivalent and it just depends on your own desires at any given time you know all religions are basically equal all you know occupation choices are basically equal um then it doesn't feel like any choice i do make actually matters so of course you get movies like everywhere thing everywhere all at once which does that where it's like oh i can oh, choose yeah. anything and therefore no choice i actually make actually matters and certainly the life I have right now, because any choice I make 
somebody else makes the exact opposite choice. And so and there's infinite versions of me. And if there's infinite versions of me that are just basically like me, then what does my life actually matter? You're insane. Does it really matter? There are alternate versions of me that you would find quite charming. And so, you know, all of these, the multiverse, just by based on its all of its sort of ideas, you can filter through, you can basically use it to explore so many of our anxieties and our joys of living in this mm. very particular time period. That I really like what you said about it's really interesting to see art reflect the the psyche or the worries or the issues of a particular culture uh, and its time. Like I, I love how you pointed out that you start seeing fantasies and um, uh, uh, sci-fi kind of develop um, as a way to understand how to integrate different cultures and live with each other. And we see um, that kind of happen uh, parallel to people living in a new world and figuring out how to live in a, in, in a society with different kinds of peoples and cultures. And then as you pointed out, <clears throat> how the multiverse comports to the issues that we're having currently with all these different choices in life. I, I think that's really um, insightful. And I, and I, yeah, it, it's interesting. You, you mentioned a BBC article. Uh, I think there's another component to this. And I think there's also a psychological desire to believe in the multiverse um, that, that I think you see mm -hmm. in uh, movies like everywhere, every, uh, everything all at once and Rick and Morty. But I think the, the psychological aspect to this, um, it's kind of found in, in the article you mentioned from the BBC where it talked about mm. people desire um, to imagine that, that there's a better universe out there, mm. right? Yeah. Um, but but the, the, the issue I would take with the BBC's um, uh, uh, conclusion is that, <laughs> that they imagine that we're sitting around spending most of our time worried about how broken society is. I'm not saying we don't. I think most people, if they're honest and their deep selves, are more selfish than that, or more individuals ah. thinking about my life is broken. They're hoping society gets fixed because they want it to uh, mean something in their yeah. life. But I think their main concern isn't so much about society, it's about themselves, mm. their own broken lives and their own disappointments and their own failures. And so I think what the multiverse offers isn't so much just a society is better somewhere else, but it, that somewhere in the universe, there's a Nathan who didn't make that mistake. That somewhere in the ah. universe, there's a better version of me. There's a Nathan who is successful, who is handsome, who who got the girl or got the job. Um, and so that's a comforting feeling to imagine that there's a version of ourselves out there that's so there's all the things that we aren't right now. Mm. Um, it's a better version. And I think, in fact, I would argue that it's a it stands in the place of what we used to consider heaven and the afterlife. Yes. <laughs> right. Because so. One of the reasons I love being a Christian is because I have, listen, everyone, I know it's it's not entirely obvious. I'm imperfect. I'm a human. <laughs> <laughs> I know no the one. The Reddit would... rumors are true. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, am, I am not as perfect as I look, which is crazy. But I have mistakes. I have failures. I have flaws. I have struggles. But my one comfort that I find in my faith is that one day there's a version of me that will exist in which those things are redeemed. Those things will pass away. My my flaws, my mistakes, my failures, they'll be gone and there will be a, a version of me that isn't um, dealing with or have or having experienced all the brokenness I do currently. And so I think that the multiverse is almost like this um, 
it's, it steps in place of heaven, of this place where you can imagine the best version of yourself in the same way that I imagine the best version of myself in the world to come. And so I think there is, while there is a societal understanding, um, I, I do understand, and, and but yeah. I, I do think that part of it, a big part of it, is a psychological desire to believe that somewhere out there, there's a you that is you, but it, it's the best version of you. And it is not held down or held back by all of these um, mm. terrible, broken, fractured pieces that in our own personal lives here we deal with. I think so. So I'm going to three, um, three points to back that up. I think is Ooh, three. Yes, I did well. Um, and I'll try to keep them short, but then also a pushback. So I kind of a, a, sort of ask how this fits in. So the first aspect is <clears throat> that I see this on TikTok where I will see you know, um, people, um, particularly young women be say like, you know, I hope, you know, alternate me, you know, is having a better day right now than I am. Oh you know, yeah. The trend. That's pretty funny actually. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, uh, and it is funny, but it is, it just shows kind of where, where the psychology goes, how people are using this to cope. You also saw this in one of the Spider-Man comics. Again, you know, everyone has seen the movie versions of this, of the Spider-Man, um, Spider-Verse and multiverse, but in the comics, there was this thing where Kingpin actually had this really moving conversation with someone where he said, you know, I, I, because his wife and ch child died, he said, I actually gained comfort from the fact that somewhere in the multiverse, mm -hmm. there is a version of me where my wife and child didn't die. Um, mm. And in, and in a more humorous sense, the, um, in Spider-Man No Way Home, uh, Jamie Foxx's Electra says, "Like maybe there's a black Spider-Man somewhere, you know." Mm -hmm. And of course, which they created a black Spider-Man to say, "Like, hey, you know, maybe this version of Pete Parker, you know, is white, but maybe there is a black Spider-Man in another universe." So there is that thing of like, again, you can't have things in this universe; you can have it in the other universe, another yeah. universe. And I will say that you know, it's kind of funny that was you talk about oh, again because we grew up, you know, homeschooled Christian. We do have a lot of ex that you know and in our apologetics days where it's like watching these Christians and atheists kind of uh, duke it out. So I, I remember there was one, one of those debates. Somebody said, look, if you believe in the multiverse, you have zero justification for not believing in a heaven and a hell, because mm. if there's a multiverse, then mathematically both of those exist somewhere, you know? Wow. And then actually there's a universe where God exists. <laughs> that checkmate. <laughs> yes. And so, but that's all, you know, that's all kind of like cheeky fun, but all that to say, you know, there, that transcendence and the infinite possibilities mm. um, is, um, and the, the wish fulfillment of it, it does really replace our mythology of our place in the universe to say that, um, uh, and does give us place to put our hopes and desires and, and dreams because they don't exist in this reality. Um, but I will say this, like one of the things when people say that a lot of this is wish fulfillment, one of the things I say is, well, why is it that so many of the multiverse stories are about how awful things are in the multiverse? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and how we, that's interesting. In Rick and Morty, again, it's all how everything sucks everywhere, you know, and it sucks oh, here. And okay, it sucks to answer here. that real quick, I, to me, it seems pretty simple i think there's the hope of uh, there's a better world out there because I, I actually would push back on your pushback and say a lot of it is you know the uh 
people encountering better versions of themselves or, you know, things they wish would happen. But you're right that a lot of the multiverses are are worse. I think what you have is you have the hope of the multiverse, which is the hope of heaven. And then you have the also present in modernity and postmodernity is this sneaking um, everything kind of snaps back to nihilism. Sure. Yeah. So it's like the, the not allowed heaven and the fear of hell. Sort of both. Exactly. Thing. So it's <laughs> it's dealing with the unknown and the kind of nihilistic. Even if you know there there is other worlds, it's not going to be that great. And sure, so, yeah. so I think that both kind of exist simultaneously. Um, but I think that nihilism kind of poisons the hope that the multiverse brings, which is then you get Rick and Morty, which is right. you have all this hope. Oh, there's other universes. Yeah, but they're terrible as well. <laughs> yeah. Editor's note: To push back against the pushback of the pushback, I feel it might be worth mentioning the concept of isekai, which is a popular subgenre on anime that arguably compares to a positive view of the multiverse. For those that don't know, isekai basically involves the main character getting transported from their mundane real world to an exciting fantasy world, and they're often granted extremely powerful, world-changing abilities simply by virtue of being there. Like, I don't know, you, they're gifted with a sword that can defeat any enemy in one hit or something. Instead of meeting alternate versions of themselves or loved ones like you see in typical multiverse stories, Isekai heroes wind up becoming the best alternate versions of themselves they can be, becoming bold, world-saving heroes rather than the awkward shut-ins they used to be. So in the quote-unquote multiverse alluded to in, in Isekai stories, new worlds and universes are usually portrayed in a more positive light because they provide the hero with more adventure and opportunities than they ever had in their original worlds. They're essentially multiversal power fantasies, stories that you usually see in more Eastern stories than you would over here in the West. So <laughs> there fair, you go. Also, oh, that's that's also fair. Um, I guess where I would sort of go with this is now, be, so the multiverse is sort of uh, tackling a post-Christian society, a post-a the theistic society, let's say, and it's it, dealing with the issues of existential identity. Um, yeah. uh, uh, infinite choice, but also the meaninglessness that comes with a universe um, that's uh, full of infinite choices and so big and vast that nothing that you do actually matters. And so different, ver many versions of you that exist or people who are just like you um, that nothing actually matters. Um, and then also, as you point out, the wish fulfillment to the desire that there's something better and stuff like that. <laughs> so how do these sort of myths um, as we're creating a new mythos, what what do you see um, as being a, um, oh, actually also another thing is, is that with like the Loki TV show with the whole Kang thing, you have the, uh, the multiplicity of versions of the universe versus the villains who are trying to control it because, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, which are people who are trying to control pluralism, trying to control the different choices because of the chaos that it can bring. Um, but what are the solutions that it seems like these stories are giving us to deal with the anxieties that we're um, facing or or are the hopes that we have? Do you see? Because, again, we're every mythos, you know, like the Christian mythos says, you know, has a here's what's wrong with the world and here's how to um, uh, find your place in it and then to redeem it. Yeah. And so now that we're doing multiverse, obviously we don't have solid, consistent answers yet because we're just starting in pop culture to ask these questions. But what are you seeing in some of the things like Rick and Morty, the Marvel movies, the, you know, uh, everything, everywhere, all at once and things like that? Where are you seeing them um, start to seem like they're trying to 
create possible answers to these questions? Well, I think, you know, I, I, I could go a million different ways, but I think at the heart of this, I'm going to get a little philosophical, theological here. No, we I, don't do that here. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to veer away from what we usually do. Um, I think the human heart was made for eternity. Hmm. Uh, infinity we're made to desire the infinite yeah um i also think we were made to desire the transcendent something beyond our understanding yeah. and capability of controlling and i think that's a beautiful and wonderful desire um but i think it really comes from the desire for the infinite uh that you know you have this this philosophy that says there's an infinite number of yous and tries i think it's a really i, I think almost it's an answer to the nihilism in some ways mm. that we in the past few decades where, you know, you have, uh, we mentioned them many times with the new atheists talking about, well, this is it. You know, you, you live, you die, this is one world and it's done. Yeah. Um, and so I think this philosophically provides people the psychological comfort hmm. um, more out there that this isn't it, that even if your life goes terribly wrong, that maybe in another world it went right. And there's some comfort in that. There's hmm. some comfort in the transcendent and, and eternal, uh, uh, egg that this whole yeah. philosophy is encapsulated in and so I, I think that in some weird way it brings people comfort even if they're you know trying to figure out um how to set the multiverse right i think that perfectly parallels um us trying to set the world right yeah. and it perfectly parale parallels even the the christian myth of god creating the world beautiful and having and then it falling and breaking and having yeah. to create to redeem it. I think it's almost as you see all these superheroes trying to fix, quote, the multiverse, it's it's imaging Christ fixing the world hmm. uh, in the same way that we desire. So I, I think it's this desire that there's that the infinite is being solved and there's some answer in there. Um, but I I do want to say real quick, um, because I, I didn't touch on this, scientifically, th this is really bad. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> So we did I a whole like episode on the scientific aspect of this. Yeah, you should look into it. Yeah. Um, you know, as the the theory rests upon that if there's infinite matter in the universe, it is going to um, replicate itself over and over in every different possible possible way. Yeah. There's no scientific uh, uh, reason as to why all of it would continue to replicate um, in infinitum. Uh, over and over again, there is no proof to this. There's no basis for this. So it even makes it more interesting as to why this took off so strongly and yeah. why you have these scientists who almost, who, who have this, it's not even a theory, it's a hypothesis. You can't measure um, yeah. in any way, shape or form, but they stake their reputations and their beliefs on it. To me, again, it's a desire for a religious foundation to build upon so it's interesting to me watching scientists who are so data-driven believe and put so much stock into something that is so um ethereal and i would say it's just as ethereal as religion if not more but that's oh, absolutely an infinite number of universes that are by definition you can't use scientific studies to test because they have different laws of physics you know it's really sounds like god we're talking about something <laughs> i think that was it yeah in a in a rick and morty that just sounds like this but with, with extra steps yes <laughs> uh you took an infinite number of universes to get rid of one god uh yeah. but <laughs> <laughs> nice um yeah i know sorry this is a lot of snark here our, our old apologetics debate stays are coming back um i think that i think so one of the things i think is interesting again you have with with movies like everything everywhere all at once that deals with this very explicitly and i it's also 
Dan Harmon talks about some of this, you know, when you have the anxiety of my life is meaningless because nothing I actually do actually matters because nothing I do actually has a lasting effect on the universe. that's not canceled out. And also there's an infinite number of me's and therefore I'm disposable. It's just another Rick and Morty thing. It's like, ah, just go to another universe where everybody not, <laughs> didn't, we didn't murder everyone. And it's just the same, you know, so lack of significance and lack of um, uh, meaning because just how vast the multiverse is, but then also because your choices get split off two ways. Um, how do you deal with that and dealing with that with the whole modern thing of today of like, oh, you know, you don't, you, you work at a job and you never see the results of your labor in a way that looks like it makes the world better. And you can't ever tell a story about your life that you made the world better than you left it or you know, you don't have the life you dreamed of and therefore, you know, it, it, and you made the wrong choice. And, you know, the whole Bojack Horseman thing, you know, I'm responsible for my own happiness. I can't be responsible for my own breakfast. It's like, how do I know I made the right choice to make, you know, all those anxieties are- Yeah, maybe there's a Nathan out there who's rich and famous and I got to find him and kill him. <laughs> exactly, yes. <laughs> and the thing is, it's like, yeah, well, I mean, again, that's in things like, you know, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, um, <clears throat> It's like, that's sort of like Kingpin's answer. He's like, I'm going to find the universe out there where someone has what I want. Another Kingpin has what I want. And I'm going to kill, you know, him and take his wife and child. Like, that's his answer is, mm. and that's, it's like, oh, people here have stuff I want and I, you know, didn't get it. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to kill them and take their stuff, you know, like is one mm. answer. And what uh, everything everywhere sort of talks about is that actually having that alternate life that you wish you had isn't the thing that makes you happy. First of all, um, actually, it's actually deciding to love the people who are in your life right now, whatever choice you made, and actually investing in the relationships you have in this life and investing in the work that you have in this life, whatever you chose is what makes your life meaningful. And if And they don't say this explicitly, but they do. But, well, actually they do, is that even if you are a small, infinitely small person in the universe, the effect that you have on the world does have a large effect by the influence you have on other people and the influence they have on other people. And so there has been this attempt to sort of recreate the meaning of, of life um, and the meaningfulness of by saying that even within the multiverse, telling a story with the multiverse, this is actually your place in the multiverse matters. And you can be part of redeeming um, uh, existence in the ways that it's broken. Um, even so we see all of these allusions to what religion used to do. Yes, exactly. And But I do think that that thing of contentedness in your small place in that, which again is also, like you said, that's what the Catholic Church did when they were creating these murals of here's God up here, here are the angels, here's hell, and here's you, you know, and that's like, this is your place in that story. So I, I'm starting to see the multiverse stories. And again, like you said, we're in the middle of the multiverse saga of Marvel right now. And we don't know what they're going to end up, their quote unquote lesson or theme is going to end up being. Right now, it's just the, the, um, what you call wish fulfillment and the chaos of it, you know, uh, with, you know, what's, um, like you say, I mean, again, it's like, like you said, the death thing, uh, I was saying like, you know, everyone's saying, look, you can bring back Iron Man. 
just with a, in another yeah. multiverse, you know, version. Well, of and it. I'll get to this in my blessings and curses. I actually have a big problem, not just like with the, the science or the philosophy of multiverse. I actually have, even though I love a lot of these stories, sure. problem with, I think it, it's not benefiting. I obviously think a lot of them done it well, a few of them. I think mostly Rick Morty's poking fun at it. Um, I think, but I, I think there's, it actually affects narrative storytelling sure. for the negative. I think it's an easy way out, but I'll explain that more in my blessings and curses. But yeah, I think, well, but that's the thing is, I think that they're trying to create a narrative where the multiverse is real, but you're still significant. Your choices matter. I don't know that they're right. I and think I because they're two almost exclusionary things, right? They're, yes. To me, they, they seem to be promising. Well, you know, Dan Harmon talks about this. And I hear a lot of atheists talk about this, about how, okay, if there's no God and everything is going to end up in, you know, a fiery sun or a planet blowing up, what does anything matter? And they talk about localizing meaning. Well, it yes. matters if you give it meaning, and, but I'm going, no, it, but that it's almost like an intellectual, um, they're almost asking you to make an intellectual uh, uh, stop in your mind. Yes. You'll just stop there and don't go to logical conclusions of anything and you'll be happy. Yes. And I think that it's ultimately, it's not going to be a satisfactory um, uh, philosophy for people actually looking for meaning and eternal significance. That's the thing is in order to make this work, you have to think less about the way the world is. Yeah. And I think that I think that because I, I think that really does. I think that if you take all this seriously, it does mean that in order to find meaning in your life, you have to shrink your imagination to the here and now and not to the vastness of uh, what existence is. So you're saying there's this kind of process where on the surface, it looks great. Oh, there's a better Nathan out there. It could be yeah. infinite Nathans that are better. But then all of a sudden you come to the realization that there's infinite Nathans. You're not all that important. Yes. Um, which creates this depression, which means you have to think smaller and say, well, I guess I'm important because, you know, I made my friend a sandwich today and I'll yeah. find importance in that. But that's not ultimately going to fulfill you or make you uh, feel more important. And the only way it could is if you think less and don't actually um, engage with the infinite. Which is why, again, I th and one reason why you have the, you know, increasing depression and anxiety today and also you know a kind of an a re, re, a, a reactionary anti-intellectualism because people have to do that in order to and actually i'll say this you know i was realizing one of the big culprits of this is social media because it can give us a window into the multiverse of our lives of all the different lives mm -hmm. we could live that are better than our own or oh, yeah there's plenty there's like i follow like four and i'm putting quotes around this nathan's who are similar to me in background yeah. And they're doing so much better than me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing is what I find fascinating again in the Everything Everywhere movie. This was so perfect because they had, you know, the Everything Bagel, which is again, it, it just shows you something about their, but that was like social media because it was the, mm -hmm. it was the gateway for you to see all the different, um, the, all the different yeah. versions that exist and realities that shows. And, and so I don't, I, I don't think this can last. I guess I'll say is I don't so think the theory was born to solve yeah. a problem. And it's actually going to make it worse. Yes. Yeah. And again, so, I, it's ahead, fun ahead, for ahead. now because again, you get episodes like Rick and Morty and stuff. And it shows like Rick and Morty. You get, you know, but it's satirizing it. it. But yes, but again, you also have the Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, yep. the animated versions, like which is like talking about, oh, here's how you find your people and stuff like that. All that. But it's a it's a less solid foundation to build meaning on than God. And 
I, it only really works because you start seeing these people as different people, not the same people, you know. Um, well, we were talking about how uh, before the episode starts, and this is a whole other subject we'll talk about more at some point, but how oftentimes artists who aren't constrained inside ah. the degrees of creativity make worse art. Yeah. And there's an idea that you just let an artist run wild with whatever he wants to do. He's going to make greater and greater art. No, it turns out that those structures, those boundaries yeah. have to be creative inside actually make better and more beautiful art. And I would say the same goes with our philosophy. There's the idea that is there's an infinite amount of worlds that would be better, but actually the structure and the boundaries that said, this is it. You have a life, you have choices that it actually creates a higher amount of purpose and a more beautiful Absolutely. life. Absolutely. Yeah, but I want to say real quick before we wrap up, um, I love talking about this. It's so much fun. But I do want to say to you, just my philosophy, and you can disagree with me. Yeah. But everyone knows. Listen, I believe in God. Sue me. Um, you're valuable. There is one you, mm-hmm. and the choices you make matter. You matter. There's not an infinite amount of yous, um, and that's a beautiful and good thing, especially if you hold to this idea that you are infinite. So there's one you, you are infinite and what you do matters and you matter. But in my view, and I think if you hold to this, it'll be a healthier, uh, it'll be a healthier uh, philosophy for your psychology, not to mention, I believe it's true. So that's just my two cents in this. This is fun, but it ultimately, as you pointed out, Joseph, it will, I think, provide more harm than good. I will say there's there's a a line from Charles Dickens uh, where he says, and you know, I'm a Charles Dickens fanboy. So, you know, like this, all the love here. He said, um, the loss of one human in this world leaves a void so deep and so wide that only eternity can fill it up. Wow. Well, and I have to say the Lewis quote here where he talks about the people you ignore on the streets because NPC is a big thing nowadays, yes. right? Yes. And he talks, and you'll get the quote right um, but you know what I'm talking about where yes, he's yes, yes. interacting with people who are infinite. He's interacting yes. with the infinite people. You've never, it's like, um, um, what was it? Um, there are no ordinary people. You're never met a mere mortal. Um, yeah. every single person you meet when you saw their eternal destiny would be people. If you saw them now, you would be tempted to either, um, uh, shrink away from in fear or fall down and worship. Mm. Uh, and it's thing is that it's, we, you know, Nathan and I, the reason, again, the reason we can look at the whole world and say like, oh, none of this is meaningless is because we're part of a story where we are, farmers. Bum, 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 bum. you know, there's only one of us and we're eternal and we're building as part of, you know, God's story, an eternal kingdom. So everything we build here actually matters. Um, and it matters both intimately because it matters to each individual and we're loved individually and cosmically because it's an infinite God who is a part of it. Um, and I think that that's, I think that's a story that's going to stand the test of time and eternity better than um, the multiverse. The multiverse only works if it's nestled within that kind of a context of the story. So yeah, those, that's our take. Um, you just got that for free guys. Did you hear what he said? <laughs> brilliance. You got that for no. free. Yeah. Someone send him a check and then <laughs> So whoever sends the check that I get 50% of that, but (laughs) you've got that brilliance for free. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's anything else that would top that. Anyway. So somebody give us, you know, 
40 million dollars so we can make our own movies that are are better yeah, make us the best versions of joseph and nathan in the multiverse this time because <laughs> yes, yes, we have yes. fallen behind the other josephs and nathan's <laughs> exactly. we need some supporters to make us the best versions so anyway um well now we're moving on to our uh, blesses and curse segment and uh, where we take a work of art media resource that we want to bless um and uh you know uh kick one another one to the curb we want to curse um and of course we were talking earlier how the difficulty we have with this is that just there's so many of these of the multiverse it's hard to know what to bless or curse particularly because almost all of you have probably already seen the ones that we would recommend yeah. to you so um but yeah we were what, what what did you land on nathan well, I'm now wondering if somewhere in the multiverse there's a Joseph and Nathan whose podcast is um, so big it basically just leads the world. The podcast <laughs> is the world. That's just a nice thought. Yeah. Uh, but until then, oh, that, that, that's us in five years. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. Um, uh, but yeah, so my blessings and curses. Um, there, there's so many fun ways. I, I love the way that Rick and Morty pokes fun at it. I think that's a good way to explore it with a little bit of detached hmm. um, cynicism. Actually, I think that's a, a wise way to explore a new philosophies is detached hmm. cynicism. I know we're not supposed to be cynical in a lot of things, but I think for new philosophies that don't totally understand, I think it's good to take a step back and, and laugh and poke and, and search. So obviously um, that's a great way to do it. Um, I, I continue with that with Harmon's are, are you are there are there particular seasons of Rick and Morty that do uh explore the multiverse better or worse that you would recommend to people I'm so bad at remembering like which seasons oh, yeah, but it's such a central theme in that and in Harmon's work and and I'll go on to bless community too and I'd be remiss if I didn't remind everyone that I was in the first season uh, oh that's right yeah. you go watch my bless and see me um maybe there's a nathan another in another um universe that was like the lead of community but in this universe i only have one scene that's all right we're in the darkest show. timeline yeah i'm in the maybe the second darkest timeline the yeah. darkest i didn't get the part at all yeah uh, but um but it's again it's a great exploration of this concept and themes because it's it's detached and fun and interesting it's very creative uh harman with his usage of this philosophy mm -hmm. inside the narrative of community i also i just love the community it's just so fun oh, yeah. and heartfelt but interesting and there's just so few things like that um so yeah i'll bless i'll bless community um also bless loki mm. i really enjoyed i don't have anything super deep i just enjoyed the multiverse aspect of Loki, which is funny in relation to my curse, because I'm going to curse the <laughs> same universe. I'm going to curse. I don't want. I don't want pitchforks, everybody. <laughs> um, I still enjoy myself to my time at the theater, but a Spider-Man No Way Home. Ooh. And it's be like a very millennial curse. Uh, the wow. reason I enjoyed watching Tobey Maguire, my Spider-Man, the real Spider-Man, <laughs> hang out with Andrew Garfield and Tom Holland. That was fun, right? But ultimately what it did as I left the theater is it cheapened all of their stories to me. Mm. It is exactly what we are talking about earlier, where it's like when I was watching Spider-Man for the first time as a kid, I was like, this is the only Spider-Man. And if he doesn't save the world, then it's done. Then all of a sudden what we do is we kind of pull the rug up around them. Like, well, there's infinite Spider-Mans and infinite, infinite worlds. If one screws it up, um, it doesn't matter. There's another one. And I guess that takes away the severity of the choices that Spider-Man makes and the sacrifices. And it takes away the drama of this is it. 
um, this is it, Spider-Man. And so I, I don't know, I, I sometimes feel like the multiverse kind of cheapens narratives by basically saying there's always a, 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 a saved game you can go back to um, if this one doesn't work out, where part of a narrative is building up this tension. If this person doesn't do X, Y, or Z, the whole world uh, is taken over or falls. Everything and everything becomes so much it is endowed with so much more weight and meaning. If this is the only world, this is the only character, and these are the circumstances they have to uh, navigate through. But with the multiverse, it kind of cheapens all that. Where it's just like, all right, well, try again in this other one. Oh, Spider Man died. Don't worry, we can get another one. Oh, Tony Stark died. That's fine. We can find an Iron Man from somewhere else. And to me, it's an interesting and fun, but it ultimately cheapens a lot of these narratives especially the Spider-Man that I grew up with. And it it kind of, it made me sad, I guess, a little way. It's like, oh, it, it wasn't what I thought it was. It didn't have the weight that I put on it as a kid. So sorry, but I got, I'm, I'm going to curse the the um, Spider-Man no, no way. That's, home. you know, sense to dress your messages to Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'll take them. I, um, Send them I to the other it, Nathan in the other universe. Exactly. He's really good with answering mail back. This one. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh yeah so okay i think uh no those are good i think you know loki i liked loki a lot that was even one i was potentially gonna bless because um i again i like the that it it does wrestle with that idea of um you know the age of globalization and postmodernism was also the age of totalitarianism where it's like you know yeah. we want to force everything to conform to our vision of the world because if we don't we're going to get chaos and death and and destruction and so we're going to mm. and so we're going to create a, a hole on that. But of course, in order to do that, you have to c- kill a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like maybe it's better to have the chaos of of the multiverse or multiculturalism or all those things in postmodernism instead of the totalitarianism. I thought that's a really clever way to the multiverse works really well as metaphors. And yeah, and and Loki did one that I actually haven't seen everybody do already so i liked i liked it for that reason yeah i really enjoy it. it's just fun yeah um also it came up with the idea of calling things variants which is yeah that's so true which is now i when i first heard that i said and now that's the lexicon we're yep. using um so yeah okay so for bless i mean you know you have the usual ones again like if you haven't seen spider-man into the spider-verse definitely see that it's a it's a beautiful work of art that talks about finding community of like-minded and, and people like yourself. Um, you know, if you haven't seen everything everywhere all at once, and we've blessed these before, which is kind of why I'm kind of going through the quickly, you know, definitely watch, watch those. They're definitely uh, beautifully put together things about the multiverse. Um, I'm, I'm going to, I'm also going to, um, I'm going to put in a kind of a, a, a quick bless here for um, the, the Justice League Crisis on Two Earths animated film. Because it really does. Oh boy, nerd alert. Oh, hi there, Kettle. Name's Potts. Have we met? It yes, full nerd. Oh, I've got <laughs> the I've got the the Star Trek ears and everything. Um, because that one really was one of the first actually to um address the existential dread of it. Mm. And uh and and it does it, and again, it's a it's a short 70-minute thing, well animated, good fun action. Um, but it does. It was one of the first to wrestle with with it, uh, those multiverse ideas on an existential level. Um, you did a lot of the things I would I would bless as well. So I'm going to move on to my curse. I'm 
I, I wish that the new Spider Verse movie had come out so I could bless or curse that. Uh, that's coming out, I... but um, uh, very excited for that. But I am going to curse, you know, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, um, mostly okay. because it's um, it it didn't actually it used the multiverse for cheap things rather than exploring it deeply or meaningfully for meaningful things. They they kind of tried mm-hmm. to have a meaningful story of dr strange seeing basically doing a christmas carol thing where he's like oh i don't want to have this future i better not do you know this thing but it it just was very sloppily put together and didn't dive very deeply can i just say aesthetically like if you're gonna go with the multiverse um story you know that that kind of um narrative thing make every universe so interesting and unique and different. It was so dull. That's it. Was they all looked like, uh, really more CGI no. plants? And Gen- every multiverse has CGI plants. All right. This universe, we walk. You know that we go on red instead of green. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, yeah. I mean, goodness gracious, you're Marvel. You have billions of dollars. Yeah, and these are the best universes you could conceptualize. Oh, yeah. come on. It, it was. It came out the same year as Everything Everywhere All at Once, and it was yes. like the difference was like was so stark. So yeah, yeah. I, I I haven't cursed that one yet. So in our new multiverse episode, I'm cursing Curse that two one. Two Marvels. Who I are? No, we did. I know. Are we the darkest timeline? We we are the representatives of how like Marvel is slowly unraveling. It's just watching us bless Marvel and then slowly start to curse everything. Marvel. Wait, I just had a thought. Is there somewhere out there in the multiverse a Nathan and Joseph who started a podcast called The Underthinkers? And we hate thinking deeply until we just talk about shallow things. And if anyone starts to, we just stop and we try to think about things as simplistically as possible. Do you think they're out there? No. Um. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah. Um. Cool. Well, this has been a really fun episode. Uh, definitely a throwback to our 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 semi our earlier episodes um but uh had a lot of fun talking about it and uh thank you so much for joining us everyone for this discussion um if you enjoyed it and want to uh uh you know get in touch with us and or get in touch with um other people who other people like yeah get into the spider-verse find other overthinkers like yourselves uh that you can uh interact with um uh nathan where should they go they can go to the overthinkersjournal.com or search the private overthinkers group on Facebook. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me, you can go to nathanclarkson.me or you can search my name on any of the socials, uh, Nathan Clarkson. Uh, I'm trying to think of something I should plug. Eh, nah, I'll skip this week. <laughs> yeah. I'll give you guys a break this time. Joseph? Uh, if you want to get in touch with me, you can find me on any of the socials as well, either Joseph Holmes or Normal Guy. Don't ask. Uh, you can also find me on, uh, you know, my uh, work. Uh, you can find me on my website, josephholmestudios.com. You can reach me there. And also you can uh, find my regular cultural criticism at uh, religionunplugged.com. Uh, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today. And remember, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about. Mm-hmm.